the importance of the oral motor exam. That's what we're talking about today on The Working Therapist. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirstie Miles. So today we are talking about oral motor exams, and to help me with this topic, I have brought in Nikki Curtis, who is a senior therapist here at PDT and also a speech-language pathologist. So welcome, Nikki, and I'm excited uh, that you're sharing your expertise with us, and I'm excited about talking about this with you today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I think it's a very important topic and one that I'm excited to talk about with you. (laughs) So I think one of the things is we were kind of getting ready for this podcast and doing our homework, right? You know, oral motor exam for me through years of practice has Mm -hmm. become more and more important in my assessment of kids. I'm not sure if it was what I was thinking of first when I first started practicing, but through the years, I, I understand more of the importance now. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, when you're starting out new in the field, a lot of your focus is on more of the the assessment, the um, the tests. That's what I want to say. Your focus yep. is more on those formal tests and getting the information there and building your goals and kind of moving forward and not as much on looking yep. at this topic. One of the things that an oral motor exam does for me, it causes me to sort of pause and observe the child for a minute because that's really the first thing, you know? I'm just kind of echoing what you said about the importance. And so that's really, to me, one of the reasons that's so important because it causes me to pause and look, you know? And at first, I think I was so caught up in the assessment, I forgot to pause and like look at the person sitting in front of me, you know? And you learn a lot just by that. Oh yeah, just to walk in the room and the child is sitting in the chair, you can learn so much about their whole body, you know? And speech is just part of of one system, part of what we do with our body. And so I agree it is important to, to get that sense of the child as, as a whole. You know, it's not just from the neck up. It's the right. everything is, is affects speech and language. And it really can and permeates speech and language affects everything and everything affects speech and language. And so mm-hmm. it can all fit together, a whole big picture. So the oral motor exam, for sure, is just so important. And it helps create the whole big picture for that kiddo. It kind of grounds our findings, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not... yeah quite so abstract it's it helps us to to see it as part of the system especially we're talking about you know speech we've got to look at posture and breathing and like movement of the whole mechanism which we'll you know we'll get to a little bit more after this but it really does kind of I think take all the information we learn and kind of help us ground it within the individual, if so that makes sense. <laughs> it, it completely does. And it's kind of, we're talking about sort of why we do it. So why we do it is to help us get that whole big picture and figure yes. out why they're doing what they're doing. And it's not just about speech. Do you think about speech and speech development, the oral motor exam? I mean, yeah, of course speech, but it, it can bleed over to language, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and you and I talked about this a little bit too, every child is is different. Mm-hmm. And so... It, it really helps us to see that. But can you give me um, an example of something you're thinking about? The reason I'm lines? thinking about language is because like, sometimes like, some kids that maybe are coming in and they maybe use a lot of jargon, you know, mm-hmm. like so a child may come in and they, and specifically I'm thinking about a couple of dudes who I've seen recently in the past couple months who they'll say like, I, I want the uh-huh. truck. You know, and so there's a lot of like this extra stuff in Mm -hmm. there. And so it's not necessarily a speech problem. But if you Mm. listen to them, you think, oh, gosh, there's some definite artic stuff. Because I said it a lot more clearly than these little 
people sounded, right. but they just weren't very clear, you know? Mm-hmm. And so at first you're thinking, okay, this is a speech problem. But then if you stop, sort of watch what they're doing, do an oral motor exam and, and that kind of thing, you realize maybe it's not so much in terms of the weaknesses or the actual movement of the of the articulators or, or that kind of thing, but it's more of a maybe language processing problem. Mm-hmm. But at first you might think it's a speech thing, sure, yes. but then the oral motor exam helps us sometimes rule out some of that. And we're thinking, no, this is more of a language processing issue that we have here. And then we got to sort of figure out some of this, where this mumbo jumbo is coming from. Helps us with our differential diagnosis there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. So that's my example of yeah. language. Yeah. But really, the oral motor exam, a lot of times, so it's not just for feeding. No. It's not just for feeding. It's assessment. not just for feeding. Yeah. So we would do it also in terms of speech or phonology. We're doing it to help us sort of make sense of what's happening with that whole system, too. So for summarizing the why we do it, Nikki, what would you say? Well, I would say, really, the oral mechanism examination allows us to assess the child as a whole. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. really lets us to see speech if we're focusing on speech, as part of the child as a whole system, grounds our findings within the child, and also assists in that differential diagnosis. Yep, I agree. That I think so. And I think that's a good way to sort of summarize that whole thing, for yeah. sure. Yep. So now, what are we doing? So if you say oral motor exam, right? So it mm-hmm. took me a while to figure this one out, you know? And I'm talking about a while, meaning some years of practice, which sure. like, what was what is an oral motor exam? I can vividly remember, I had a student one time, this has been a long time ago, and I, ho- I may have told this story on the podcast before. I may have told you this story before, Nikki, but I was doing some oral motor stuff, and I don't know if I was doing oral motor in therapy or if I was actually doing oral motor exam. So the student looked at me and she said, now, why are you doing what you're doing? And I thought, well, I don't know because I'm a speech therapist and this child has a mouth. <laughs> and literally at the That's moment, what you do. that was all I could come up with. But I thought, but I didn't tell any of this to her at the time because, you know, I'm the I'm the supervising therapist and I right, need to act right, like sure. I know what I'm, the heck I'm doing. And so I was like, well, because, and I'm sure I came up with something that sounded good, but she probably was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, but I thought, uh, yeah, I probably need to know the answer to that question. So I, I spent some time trying to figure that out. And <laughs> I feel like now I could do a much better job of answering that question. But I'll never forget that because it was the right question to ask. Yeah. And she wasn't asking me like a why, like in a controversial. She was or trying like to a, understand. She just, she was being a good student. Mm-hmm. And I was being a supervisor. I was like, oh, <laughs> but that wasn't the right answer. But anyway, so what, uh, so what is an oral motor exam? Well, I would say, just as we talked about at the beginning, um, that even though it may not seem like it, the first step needs to be looking at the whole child, yep. looking at their assist, their their body. So, like literally looking at them. Literally, yes, how yes. are they? How are they sitting in the chair or standing? What's their posture like? Yes. What are their shoulders doing? How are they breathing? What's their gait like if they're walking? You know, so we so can important. see most like overall body coordination and movement. It's so important. I'm, I love that. Yes, it's so important because, you know, even a child who's up on their toes mm-hmm. and maybe they um, are what I call a periphery kid, like they don't really engage well in activity. Yeah. Just observing yeah. that will tell you so much about their speech and language stuff, you know? Like, for example, I had a child that I... Um, used to see, I started seeing him in the school. He was very low tone, but he didn't really have more of a diagnosis beyond autistic disorder. But as I would observe him and see how he was kind of slouched into the side and we didn't have very good breathing, you know, I decided to really focus with him on the posture and the breathing for speech. And it made such a big difference in his um, breath support, in his ability to project, which improved his confidence. So, you know, it does kind of 
it is kind of our place to kind of start. I think it's so important. I totally agree with you. So literally stopping and looking, that's part yeah. of the oral motor exam. What else would you consider to be part of an oral motor exam? Well, certainly there's the, the, the traditional structures. Yep. Um, the anatomy and the physiology that we think of mm-hmm. when we think about speech. And so I think it starts with um, then from the, the whole body to now let's look, at the, let's look at the face and the head. Yep. And you can even sometimes head shape gives you yep. a, uh, something to think about and consider about brain development, perhaps or birth or history. You want to probe more yep. to get information there. But um, looking for are the features symmetrical at rest? How about when they're moving? You know, really focusing then in on um, the mouth and how is the mouth moving. And I had a little girl that I was seen recently for feeding and very, very low tone. And one of the first things I noticed about her is that she'd go, ooh, like this. And one side of her mouth would go up a lot higher than the other side, right. which prompted, you know, an immediate referral to neurology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yep. Right, exactly. Yep. So just kind of looking at, you know, starting there and looking at the outside structures and how do those things work and move together. I'm glad you mentioned tone because I find that sometimes as speech therapists, we think about the tone in terms Mm -hmm. of like we leave that to PT or OT about low tone, high tone. Sure. But I agree with you. I mean, I think tone and the tone in the face is really important, just like that little girl you were talking about. And that's something I think that we, um, that's one of those very, for sure, like nuances that Mm -hmm. I feel like you have to develop through time and practice, but I wish somebody had told me about that yeah. like a long time ago. Yeah. You know, it would have saved a little bit of like, what are you doing and why are you doing it thing for me? Be like, I don't know. It would have saved Wait, a little. Arr. I mean, you you knew at that point, you knew it was important. I was hoping. I don't know. <laughs> you know, sure. and, and Hayden, I think you're a good intuitive um, uh, analyzer and, and thinker. And, you know, so you knew it was important. You just had to kind of put all that together. So I think that's Nikki's, I appreciate that. That's, a, that's Nikki's way of saying you're really good at BSing when you really well, don't. <laughs> you know, there no, is I that know you're too. not. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I love it. That's good. No, we can joke. It's all good. But no, but I think tone's really important. Tone yeah. in the face, like what you were saying, that can tell you a lot. So, and that also like is, is the child have open mouth posture? Yep. So that is about tone too and strength right there, right? Is there a lot of drooling? Yeah. Are they smiling all the time? I yeah. mean, nobody's happy all the time. That's oh, yeah. probably, that means they're kind of maybe high tight. tone there. High yeah. tone. Yes. Hi, yes. I don't know if high tone's the right word, but no, yeah. 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 High tone. And they, so they increase tone or less tone. I think that's important. I mean, nobody's happy that much. No. And it, <laughs> and it, it absolutely impacts your ability to produce, you know, yeah. um, lip rounding and, <laughs> and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So I've seen some kids who kind of lock in that bat you know with their mouth kind of in a, a spread kind of a way and so they kind of I guess maybe locking is not the right word but a lot of times I've seen kids who are sort of have high tone in their cheeks and stuff but they really have low muscle strength in mm-hmm. their cheeks but they're kind of high tone to sort of give that jaw more support and mm, tongue more support point. because they're low muscle strength so it's just something to think about too mm-hmm. so I think that's the first thing so yeah the face um, the symmetry the tone yep. what's going on there and then moving into the mouth looking at yep. the dentition um what are the, the condition of the teeth is there overbite underbite do you see obvious signs that the child is has had a binky or a pacifier for or a thumb sucker you know to yeah i know i, I allowed my oldest son to keep a pacifier to his four and a <gasps> half i know you said shocked to gasp here. i know i know <laughs> i had to get rid of the pacifier when the dentist 
told me, I know this is so not good. The dentist told me, so his mouth is misshapen. I'm like, what? His? You know, there are lots of reasons. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> and then I had to take it away. It was bad. I know. I shouldn't yeah. have said that. No, out loud. it's hard. It's <laughs> but you're right. There you're are totally lots of right. different. Well, I think that that's an excellent. You bring up an excellent <laughs> point, and probably a little bit beyond the scope of this particular discussion. But that's about talking with the families about your findings, and you know, being candid, but also being understanding about why they may be allowing their child to have the pacifier Survival until they're mode. four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And like then, you know, problem solving about, okay, so I hear you and, so, you know, so this might now be, what? So this might be why he's having some trouble with L and R. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Now he's four, so we didn't have to do R yet, but go ahead. But yes. And so, then, um, yeah. and looking at the condition of the teeth. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Is a good one too. You know, some children, if they are super sensitive, you know, we may discover this through our examination, but they may not allow their parents to brush their teeth. And so then that doesn't happen. Or perhaps they've been taking the bottle and you get kind of that, you know, what you call it, like bottle rot. Yep. What you, you yep. know, hear people talking about that. Or a child who has significant muscle limitations and, and they're eating, all they're eating are purees and formula. Right. Um, yep. Or a seizure medication, which can impact oh, yeah. enamel. Yep. Completely. Um, so it's good to know that information too. And I think it's a good point about the dentition. I think it's really important because um, so some kids who maybe have, who won't allow their parents to brush their teeth yep. and stuff because of some oral motor sensitivity, but that also then because, you know, their tongue might be sensitive, the inside of their cheek sensitive, yeah. but also their gums. Yes. Because if they're not brushing, they could, their gums could be slightly inflamed. Yes. So which is adding to your issue. So I think you have yep. to be cognizant of, of that too. And the observation yeah. part and seeing that, you know, they're not going to really let you in their mouth. Well, one of my first placements as a graduate student um, has stuck me forever here. It's been a long time. I won't say how long. Um, <laughs> but the supervising therapist that I was working with, she had a referral from a teacher. She's like, oh, this child, he's drooling all the time. Um, his food just falls out of his mouth. I can hardly understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And so the speech therapist went and did an assessment with him, and he had a boil. On his oh. gums. Oh, my gosh. Oh, how painful. How painful. Uh, uh, and once that was resolved, all of the other issues were resolved. <laughs> well, I can understand it, right? Yeah, I think I would have done the same thing. And That's he was back, and I was a student, and I was like, okay, let me get out my assessments, and <laughs> let me see what, what here, say this word for me. And all the time, I'm like, it's like torture. That was a good, good learning experience. Her, and it has stuck Excellent. with me. You know what? That's a really good point. Uh, but you're right. There can be things. Or if a child's teething and all of a sudden, yes. they, you know, because especially at two, they get those two-year molars yes. in. And so they can be a child who so wasn't painful. drooling. And all of a sudden, now they're drooling. And, you know, um, I've seen that happen quite a bit, too. You have to think, well, they are getting the two-year molars. If I was cracking, you know, cutting those teeth, I'd be like... Yeah. Stay out of my mouth too. Mm -hmm. Or if they fell down and bumped their chin and now they got a big gash, you know, or something. But the boil, interesting. Wow. This is such a fun topic for two nerdy speech therapists. This is a ton <laughs> I of fun. Know, I'm really enjoying is. this. I like this. But um, so, but I think also consideration as part of the oral motor exam would also be the jaw. What do yeah. you think? Absolutely. Um, 
it's a big part of producing those sounds kind of a thing (laughs) it's kind of a a thing yeah but I personally never really thought about the jaw in terms of like oral like the impact on the production of speech sounds like I again I'm saying all the bad stuff I did I need to probably say but anyway but but, but, it's about the learning process yeah it is yeah 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 I mean you've got to assess the jaw I agree with you know like when I started out and very new I was all about okay lips tongue yes me too that was pretty much it. Like what else is there? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They're breathing. They got lips. They got a tongue. I, move right. on. I don't know. Right. <laughs> nothing. Nothing obvious jumps out. Okay, keep going. Yeah. yeah. But the jaw is. I think it's. It, well, I say all the time. It creates a foundation. The jaw can is a foundation for like tongue movement, cheek movement, lip movement, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you're looking at that. Like, do they have the open mouth posture? Yep. So that'll tell us a little bit about their their strength and control. You can use something like a um like a chewy or something like that and kind of put it between the teeth yep. on the sides and have them try to chew on it. Yep. Which they like maybe like 20 times to see if they can keep that the same level of pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No, exactly. Um, and coordination or if we see that, that they're not able to do that. And just tells us something not necessarily about feeding, but about strength coordination. Yep. Of that jaw movement. And then the la- like lateralization too. I usually look for yeah. like if they're lateralizing is there, because like your, for your example, they should be able to move up and down, but if they're lateralizing right. their jaw or sliding that to do it, um, then that tells you a lot too about the stability and then just, and their understanding of just the, you know, they're adding some extra stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? And that, that's the next step. Why? You have to figure that out later. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.